You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's do it. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. This is Matt Stagner, joined as always with RKJ. Ron, how you feeling after last night's victory over the Denver Broncos, 22-9, the Chiefs over the Broncos? Five straight wins this season, 12 straight over the Donkeys. Uh, last time the Broncos beat us, uh, I said this on the AP Film Room last week, but I was a senior in high school and our football season had just started, and, and that just seems so long ago, but that's just how long it's been since the Chiefs have lost to the Denver Broncos. Nice to kind of be the big brother in a uh, rivalry this bad. It, we were always the little brother, and uh, tides have definitely turned these last few years, Stags, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a little bit older, so you know I can't make the same claim, but <laughs> yeah. it, it, has, it has been a bit, and it is good to see the domination over the AFC West continue just in general for this Kansas City team. As I always like the division opponents. Uh, you never know what you're going to get from a division game. The tendencies, the stats, the the point spread, all that stuff seems to go out the window. And it's just about beating the team in front of you on that day and whatever it takes to get it done. I think you saw a little bit of that yesterday from the Kansas City Chiefs. They seem to do what they had to do to get the, to just to get this win and to get out of there. Uh, maybe they they held a little bit back, or maybe there were some things that they that they couldn't have, they could have done better, or they could have been more aggressive here and there. But I think they felt in control of this game, and they walked away with the win, and and they're moving on with the ability now to play for that number one seed uh, in the AFC, which is so important to have a potential buy in the playoffs, make that path uh, to another Super Bowl run that much easier. Uh, really good to get this one out of the way and just kind of continue on uh, this second half of the season and and taking care of business against the division opponents. Yeah, there's two sides to how the Chiefs are winning right now. Um, you know, and, and we Chiefs fans are familiar. If you've been a Chiefs fan in the Andy Reid era, you know, uh, still a majority of the Andy Reid era was with Alex Smith at quarterback, right? And and this is exactly the formula for how they used to win with him at the helm, where they they were a very successful regular season team because they executed this game plan we saw that they executed against the Broncos. Starts with the opening script, man. They 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 come out, you know, score a quick touchdown. Um, you know, obviously get to 10 nothing as well. And then they coast and, and they then they trust a, a, a team that's always been good with special teams, a hot defense right now. Um, and, they, and they trust them to kind of get them to the finish line. And that's always been the frustrating part about it as a Chiefs fan. Right. Is that is that Andy just seems to kind of, you know, maybe trust that a little too much to work. Um, and, and with Alex Smith, it was maybe a little more OK, justified, like, OK, you don't want, you know, Alex isn't going to be, you know, putting up a bunch of points anyway, you know, let the run game kind of work, let Alex kind of dink and dunk and, and kind of take up time of possession. You know, when you have Mahomes, you don't want to see that as much. Um, and, and, but right now it does seem like Andy's kind of trusting to kind of go back to that where they're winning ugly. 
Um, he, he's trusting the other phases of the, of the of the team to get it done, and and they kind of coast to a, a victory after a ten nothing kind of start to the game. So, like I said, there's there's pros and cons to it. You know, it, it's good to see them winning like that, Stags, but it's also frustrating that they're not able to kind of win like they we've seen them win in, in these past few years with the, in the Mahomes era where they're able to put up you know thirty points without you know without even breaking a sweat. Now they're barely you know uh they're, they're working a lot of sweat and, and blood and sweat to get to uh you know like 16 points scored offensively uh yeah it's just it's just a, a, a different time right now to to win as the chiefs are but they're doing it they're getting it done it was good to see them start off with a lead and play with the lead the defense obviously felt more comfortable in that situation and the pass rush was able to get after it just a little bit what did you think of the opening script that got them out to that quick seven to nothing and, and then eventually 10 to nothing lead. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. The opening script was a successful, but it wasn't the special Andy Reed coming off a buy, you know, getting it done, you know, all these, you know, a Tyree kill reverse or, or, you know, a Travis Kelsey screen, you know, or something, you know, where, where it's kind of these creative plays, you know, we saw last week against Dallas a couple weeks ago, I should say Travis scores on a direct snap, you know, a, a run for a touchdown. It wasn't any of that. It was, it was very basic play calling. Um, and and it, and it and it was the entire length of the field. We actually saw Mahomes score a touchdown on just a basic straight drop back. You know, the pocket kind of came in on him a little bit. He stepped up beautifully, kind of maneuvered it well, timed it well, and and made an angle towards the front pylon. So, uh, you know, that kind of shows you that it wasn't all these design plays coming out of the, the this bye week that maybe we we anticipated from Andy Reid. It was a little bit of just, you know, we're gonna run our basic stuff and just trust it to happen. And, and and going into that opening script, you know, past the first drive, the second drive started off with a, with a well-designed play, I will say. You know, Clyde getting that screen pass going about 30 yards. You know, that that's part of that opening script, in my opinion, those first 15 plays. But it just it, – I guess my whole point is that it just seemed like it was kind of just executing their basic game plan, and I just don't get why that didn't happen through the rest of the game. Um, you know, and, 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 and we'll get into more stuff on, you know, specifics on why maybe, you know, in certain instances it didn't happen, but – the opening script wasn't anything special. It was it was pretty much just Andy, you know, the the offense running, you know, their their basic stuff and, and and executing it, and then the rest of the game they didn't execute it. So that's the puzzling part about it. But they got it done. It's it, it's it's smarter, or I guess it's a it's it's better to have that be done early in the game than you know kind of find execution late in the game. Get out to an early lead, and that's exactly what they did. It was kind of a weird game statistically, and I noticed that you've got Daryl Williams uh, and Clyde edwards Hilaire making up 60% of the offense. Uh, Daryl was your leading receiver. Clyde was your leading rusher. And, and Daryl was your second leading rusher. And Clyde was your second leading receiver. So those guys uh, were really the offense. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of um, contributions from the other pass catchers. In fact, there were some, some negative plays from those guys. Uh, the drops came back to, to haunt the Chiefs once again. But it was interesting to see the running backs really featured in this game and almost an even split you know they uh Clyde had more carries um but the production overall between the two was was fairly similar uh, in both the run and the pass both had opportunities in both phases of the game and and did okay with them yeah it was nice to see them both kind of have have good games Clyde's still working his way back it wasn't their most efficient game and and that's one thing that that kind of bugs me about the way the Chiefs offense went about you know this game is it does seem like they just tend to really rely on on zone blocking and 
And hey, it works because Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, these guys are, are monsters just shoving guys out of the way and, and, and kind of almost just moving the line of scrimmage three or four yards, you know, in, in front of the running back and, and allowing them to get those, those big gains at times. But it just that's not going to work all the time because zones just aren't made for big runs. Zones, zone runs are kind of just made to get those four or five, six yard chunks. And, and yeah, the, the, they'll get those at times. But man, for some reason, they just they just refuse to. You see it on short yardage conversions, Stags, and you see it where they 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 do these, you know, the guard pulls and a fullback, you know, full, you know, hits the linebacker in the hole and the running back pops open. They they tend to only do those on short yardage. And I've been on this podcast so many times over and over talking about how they need to run those plays just more often. And it just seems like they just they don't. And I and I feel like it's not Clyde and Daryl's fault that they're just continuing to be run, you know, on these outside zones out of shotgun where they're running horizontal to the line of scrimmage to start. I just get, get them downhill more, and it just seems like the coaching staff refuses to do it. Uh, and, and that kind of goes into my conservative play call and the, the thing I'm complaining about, kind of the Alex Smith, Andy Reid era where we called it shutdown mode, I think we all called it back then. It just seems like Andy doesn't want to – is just kind of, you know, running his zone runs and kind of using them as just like – time crunchers and kind of hey we'll get four or five yards here instead of using the run game which i think they can as an actual way to attack the defense a way to create explosive plays they're just refusing to do that it seems like but but the running backs seem ready to do it i mean you just saw it tonight you mentioned 60 60 percent of the total yards they're they're in playmaking mode right now both players are they're just not in my opinion being put in the right positions in the run game specifically and you do have the offensive line for it so the more power run, gap scheme type stuff they run, I think the better. And those those are the types of plays that it often takes um, a few to get going, right? So you you, yeah. you got to be consistent with it. You can't just throw one in here and there. You've got to run a series of those types of plays uh, and mix in some play action and some other stuff to keep defensive honest. There, there was not a lot of – there wasn't a ton of creativity, I, I don't think, in the game plan overall, um, you know, whether it was um, – just now there wasn't any trick plays. There wasn't a lot of, you know, in around reverse type type action. There was a couple of screens, one beautifully designed and executed and one uh, very predictable and completely blown up, you know, those in those first couple drives. But I think you saw on the very first play of the game, they ran Clyde straight ahead and, and it ended up being a uh, was a nine or 10 yard game. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. That those zone runs do work and get those chunk yard gains at times because of who you have in the, on that line of scrimmage where guys are just bullies just shoving dudes off the line of scrimmage. It's just they're not designed to consistently get those those big plays because they are easier to defend in terms of just, you know, uh, not allowing them to be big chunk plays. Um they're not easy to defend in terms of, you know, over and over, you know, stopping them for 5 or 6 yards and that's why Andy likes them because they are kind of just they wear you out a little bit. The defense just kind of gets tired of, of, of running against them. But you know what else the defense gets tired of is Trey Smith coming and blowing them up and Orlando Brown coming down and, and shoving you, you know, down three or four yards, at, you know, down the line of scrimmage, that sort of thing. I just it, it just doesn't seem like the Chiefs trust it as much. But as I've kind of been saying, I feel like that's in their back pocket and they could pull it out at any time. It could be in January, could be, you know, when they really need it. And it just feels like it's there and they just maybe they're kind of just saving it, you know, not wanting defenses to know that they're willing to do that. Maybe. It's hard to tell. The other thing that was conspicuously inconspicuous against the Broncos uh, were the third wide receiving threat. You know, those, the McCole Hardmans, the Josh Gordons between the two of them, they had one target 
uh, total. That was McColl's, uh, I think it was like a 12-yard gain, pretty you know, one solid play, and then the, invisible the rest of the game. Very few snaps for McColl, very few snaps for Gordon overall. Uh, what's going on with the rest of the receiving core? Yeah, you know, it, it it doesn't help when Hill and Kelsey themselves aren't aren't doing, you know, maybe their job. You know, one thing I found amazing is that Hill did not see a reception after seven minute the seven minute mark in the first quarter. He went the entire rest of the game without a catch. Unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and obviously had the the couple drops in the second half that turned, you know, one of them turned into an interception. So the fact that your elite players aren't making the plays to kind of make up for it makes it look a lot worse. But I got like Byron Pringle having a couple drops. One of them would have got them closer to the red zone, although he did make up for it on a, on a, a play, you know, kind of following that. Uh, Gordon not seeing a target. You know, McColl uh, just just not being able to to find a, a place in this offense right now for whatever reason. And I don't know. It, it does seem like it's kind of on them. Like, it does seem like the passing offense, you know, Mahomes is getting, you know, it, he, he got decent pass protection against Denver, I will say. Um, and, 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 but they were just taking away Hill and Kelsey and, you know, uh, no other guy was, was really stepping up. And that's kind of been the theme this year after a few spurts where, you know, the Baltimore game, you know, they, they all had good games and, and other games as well. But, um, they, you know, more often than not, you know, this, this, this third receiver, whoever it's supposed to be is not stepping up. I mean, it was Daryl is Daryl Williams wide receiver th- or receiver three right now. Stags. Is that where we're at? Is that, is Daryl Williams the be- the third best receiver on this team? I think we're there. I don't know about that. We're, we'll we'll talk about receivers in just a minute, but there's a. I think some of it's just game plan and, and the flow of the game and just kind of how things go. You know, statistically, this was uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, game of, of Mahomes' career. Again, I feel like we've said that a couple times this year. Uh, with his 44 uh, QBR, his uh, 184 yards uh, on 29 attempts. You know, just and plus the interception, which statistically goes against him, but once again, bounced off the hands of a receiver into the waiting arms of a defender. It, it was a strange game offensively, production-wise. Uh, you know, if he only had 15 completions and six of those went to the, the running backs, there's there weren't a lot of uh, targets and, and completions to go around for the rest of the receiving group. This just was an odd game and a game uh, on the offensive side of the ball, just a game where they didn't get a ton going, um, especially passing the ball, and and it was just a, a quiet day for the most part for the Chiefs' offense. Now, the Chiefs' defense actually was really the story of the game. And I know if you had a couple takeaways on the defensive side of the ball, um, the first one that I had was the run defense. I think a lot of people are going to look at the box score and they're going to say, man, you know, this Williams kid just ran all over him. Uh, you know, th- this was a, a bad day for the Chiefs' run defense. And, and if you watch the game, there were – there were stretches, there were drives where the the Broncos looked dominant running the football against the Chiefs' defense. Part of it was this kid breaks every tackle uh, and it's just impossible to bring down. And and part of it was the the Denver offensive line was keyed in, uh, run blocking. They got a couple of monsters on, on that front, uh, young guys uh, like Quinn Miners that are just out there uh, playing like like Trey Smith, you know, and 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 so. I, to me, watching the game, I never felt like it was out of hand. I never felt like the defense was not going to eventually get a stop. Uh, even when the run defense, even when the Broncos were able to run the ball well, uh, to me, that doesn't t- that doesn't say the Chiefs have a bad run defense again. It's just one of those days where 
uh, you ran into a to kind of a buzzsaw. Uh, but it almost felt like the Chiefs were content in letting them move the ball on the ground a little bit because they knew uh, that when push came to shove, uh, they could shut down Teddy Bridgewater in the passing offense. Yeah, that's actually one thing I was kind of concerned about going into the game is that the Chiefs would commit to stopping the run and forcing Teddy Bridgewater to, uh, you know, uh, beat them. And I think they kind of did, you know, they, they kind of did the opposite where they said, hey, you know, run a little bit. We're going to make it harder on Teddy to to get the pass game going with receivers like, you know, the trio they have is, is one of the best in the NFL, no doubt. Um, guys like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are, are, are really good on the outside. And cornerbacks Traverius Ward and you know plays another great game. He, he's continuing to play well, but but also you know DeAndre Baker plays well too. Uh, you know, kind of coming in. Uh, actually, Mike Hughes started the game, but DeAndre Baker played the rest of it. So um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit with the coverage, I guess. But but in terms of the run defense, I guess my point was that it, there was only one real stretch where it was it was it was a problem. It was, it was two drives. Actually, one of them ended up 20 plays, but it was a 30-play sequence. Two drives uh, took up 30 plays. I'll, guess how many points they allowed? Three freaking points on the on those 30, you know, and, and 30 plays, you know, given up where all the, those run defense. Yeah, there was a lot of gas runs, seven or eight-yard runs. But the thing about this defense right now is how they're playing situationally. This third-down defense is one of the best in the league right now. They have been. They're, they're Over this five-game winning streak, they're allowing a conversion percentage of 25.8%, uh, which is the lo- the best in that in the entire NFL, uh, according to our guy Matt McMullen with the Chiefs, um, in that stretch, in that five-game stretch. And it's because, yeah, the run defense in that stretch wasn't getting them to third down, but as soon as they were in that stretch, they were two for six on third down. Now, Denver was aggressive on fourth down, and that's why they were able to, to kind of get that, continue that drive. I think they had three fourth down, two fourth down conversions and three attempts on that 20 play drive. Um, but all that to say is the run defense only matters to an extent. If you can't finish the drive, if you can't, you can't get it into the end zone, if you can't, you know, get a chunk play with the passing game, you're just wasting time for yourself to try and score and get back in this game because eventually this third down or fourth down defense is going to stop you. And that's exactly what happened. I, you know, Spags is just dialing it up right now on that on that specific down, and and it really makes you know a run defense that you know maybe a few plays gives up chunk plays. It really doesn't matter because when t- once they get to third down, they're getting stopped a quarter of the time, one out of four times, a ridiculous rate right now. That's why I felt like it was it was a strategic move because they were they were all over Bridgewater from a pressure perspective when when he did attempt to pass, and, and so I think they and the coverage was fantastic. Uh, all day long, just like you said. So it's almost like they were daring them to run the ball and, and saying, you know, uh, we'll we'll battle. You know, they were they were they were consistently attacking against the run. Uh, they just didn't always get the job done right away. Uh, but sooner or later, just like when the the way the teams have played the Kansas City Chiefs so far this season, if you force teams to go on ten play, twenty play drives, sooner or later they're going to make a mistake, or sooner or later your your guys are going to make a play. Uh, just as likely as theirs. So uh, I think against these Broncos, this wasn't a bad approach. It made them completely one-dimensional. I never felt like Teddy Bridgewater was going to be a threat. Every time he dropped back, uh, it looked like uh, the Chiefs defense uh, had his number. So if if that's the case, you can make the team one-dimensional, even if they're good at that one dimension. uh, Most of the time, you're going to be okay. And and I think the, the fact that they were able to force some turnovers in the passing game and on special teams made this a game where the run defense just or the the fact that they were able to run the ball just flat just didn't matter 
by the time it was a, a, a two or three possession game, um, let them run the ball all they want to. Yeah, and and so the run defense was paired with just great play by the back end, and that's kind of been the highlight to me over the stretch of wins is how good the secondary has been playing. But I'm also going to include the linebackers in that in that in that discussion as we talk about this game last night. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, you know Ward playing well again. You know Baker continuing. We'll talk about him a little more. But how about Juan Thornhill getting that interception? It was great to see him make a play. Hey, you know you're got probably you know you're probably going to see that play if you're watching at home and say, oh, you know that was a terrible play with the quarterback. He just throws it right to Thornhill. You know I don't even know how good of a play that is for Thornhill. Well, I want to point out though that that coverage, the the way they were using Thornhill there. That's called the robber where, and we've heard Mahomes use this as a, a, you know, talking about ways defenses are playing them. And it's a pretty common, you know, way to play coverage, but basically, you know, you're going to start in too high, you know, two deep safeties, but one of them is going to at the, at the snap going to rotate to playing, you know, over the entire top of the defense in a one high look. And the other safety is going to drop into kind of that intermediate era over the middle of the field and look at the quarterback's eyes and try to find where he's going and, and, and be a robber, you know, be a thief of the football, and that's exactly what Thornhill does. And the reason that's significant is that that's usually Matthew that does that. They usually trust Matthew to play that role. I don't know how often Thornhill is trusted to play that role. And so I think that might have been why why Bridgewater didn't expect Thornhill to be in that situation. I think he sees Matthew drop and thinks, oh, they're in a too high look. There's no robber here because Matthew's usually the robber. So all that to say, I think it's a good fork in the road kind of moment maybe for Thornhill that it's showing that the defensive staff is trusting him to play in important roles more. That's a very important role. And that's, and that's a, a wrinkle that the defense can really throw at other quarterbacks. And, and just like you saw, it can confuse them and allow him to throw right where Thornhill is because Thornhill see Thornhill cuts, you know, he's, he knows he's playing over the middle. He knows Judy's to the outside of him and there's a potentially in breaking route to Judy who Bridgewater likes getting the ball to, that's exactly what happens. He, he sits underneath it. Bridgewater tries to throw an, in, an in-breaking route to Judy. It's intercepted. So I wanted to shout out Juan Thornhill. And that was, that was just one play, but it was a really good ex- example of him continuing to excel and, and, and work in more into the defense, I guess. Spags trusting him a little more. Yeah, the more versatile, you know, interchangeable those secondary pieces are, the better for this defense. We've seen it with Sneed. We've seen it with uh, Matthew. And then Thornhill, we've always thought he had that ability, and it's nice to see it come into play. Nice to see the film study come out uh, in, on game day as well. Uh, he clearly had some good anticipation on that play and knew what was coming. Yes. I, think they, I think they knew uh, that mixing things up in the middle there wasn't going to be uh, uh, wasn't not going to end up in a good result for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, let's let's jump to a, a quick little little game here. We'll try to have some fun with some of these. Uh, um, some of these things that some Chiefs fans are worried about uh, or some of the national media are talking about when it comes to the Chiefs, some of these narratives uh, or, or outcomes from this game and, and other recent games. And so what I'm trying to figure out is, should we really panic about these items or should we uh, are we okay with them? So we're going to call it, uh, for lack of a better title, <laughs> OMG or NBD. So, oh my God, this is a problem or no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's start with Mahomes' accuracy, Ron. OMG or NBD on the accuracy issues from Pat Mahomes. You get the stamp of approval for the the name, uh, the naming of this game for sure. I was 100% approved behind this, but uh, I'll, I'll go quickly here. OMG or NBD for Mahomes' accuracy. I really do think it's 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 not as big an issue as as maybe national media can make it. 
it's it's never his accuracy has never been perfect. It's just that it never been coupled with this bad of luck in terms of passes flying off his receivers' hands into defenders' hands. So no big deal. MBD. Yeah, I'll stick with NBD just because I believe in Patrick Mahomes and sooner or later, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be the reason they win games. This particular game, it was the defense and special teams. There'll be other games like that. Uh, but when it comes down to it, there's nobody I'd rather have under center. Uh, and I think his accuracy and ball placement are part of what makes him great and part of what makes him the MVP. But in the short term, in, in this particular game, there were some passes that, that he left on the field. There were some that he that he's going to look at film and say he wanted back. Maybe that's another miscommunication with the receivers. Uh, maybe it's you know somebody ran the wrong route. But there was a couple plays where – it really seemed like there was some frustration on his part and some and some misses on his part. So it's on the radar, but for now we'll call it NBD. How about the the lack of production from Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? We already mentioned it, but the the two of them combined uh, for what was most disturbing for me: thirteen targets and only uh, five receptions between the two of them. So uh, not only was it a lack of production, only forty nine combined yards. But that five for 13, it's really uncharacteristic for those two guys. Uh, should we start to worry about Hill and Kelsey? Yeah, I'd actually I'd lean towards OMG for, for this because uh, we, we've seen Kelsey torch Denver in the past. We've seen Hill torch Denver in the past. You know, this is this is a team that the Chiefs are familiar with. This is a defense they're familiar with and they've had success against. I mean, you know. Uh, it, this just popped in my head, but last year we literally scored it. Tiger killed literally scored a touchdown that didn't get called because we didn't challenge it. You know, I mean, they're literally scoring points that didn't even exist. I mean, that's how much they would have been able to, to do stuff on Denver in the past. And yeah, I mean, this is one of the lowest production totals as a duo they've ever had in their career. So, um, that out of a bye week that is really discouraging in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not going to freak out about it, but it is, it is more OMG than NBD. You know, I, I, I'm going to say it because I think, you know, we do have to acknowledge it maybe a little bit, you know, Kelsey is a little older, you know, this physical coverage might be hampering him, you know, uh, you know, holding him down a little more than we maybe like to admit. He's, he's really getting beat up and it's, you know, once or twice in a season is NBD for sure, but it feels like it's becoming a pattern with these, with both of these players, the production is not the same as what we're used to seeing. You know, Hill is not getting loose uh, deep or making the big plays that we expect. He's got a lot more targets this year, and he's still been productive overall. But the big plays haven't been there, and so that average per catch is way down this year. Travis Kelsey, as mentioned, is really just getting beat up. Uh, there was a lot of times, a lot of frustration I saw on his face uh, and in his body language against the Broncos. They were hitting him around the head and the neck and the shoulders uh, a lot on, on every route. And he was frustrated by it. He was he was uh, having trouble getting you know free releases like he like he typically would. So it's obvious teams have always wanted to take away those two guys. It's just never worked as well as it has this season. So yeah, I, I'm trending towards that, that being an actual concern. Uh, how about the Chiefs' run defense? I already alluded to where I stand on this one uh, that it's NBD, given the fact that. They've been very good over this uh, win win streak over the second half of the season. Uh, they ran into a Broncos team that uh, was dedicated to the run, and they seemed content with letting them run. But OMG or NBD about the uh, concerns with the run defense. 
Yeah, no, this is quick. It's an NBD. I, I kind of mentioned it. You just alluded to it with, you know, this Denver offense was was wanting to run the ball, has been successful at it lately, and and the Chiefs, you know, didn't mind them running too much. So NBD, I, I think they have they have the talent in there right now to where you know you can trust the run defense when it really needs to be good. It can be good. You bet. You saw some really positive signs there. I think still, even when statistically the the Broncos ran the ball well. Uh, the Chiefs were able to shut them down at, at times when it mattered on fourth down. Um, they they had some you know some solid play from the interior. Chris Jones had some good plays against the run. Melvin Ingram had some really good plays from the edge against the run. So uh, yeah, I think that there was also a few less snaps for Nick Bolton this week, which uh, uh, you know he's a guy that's been really good against the run in the past. So it might have just been again uh, the Chiefs running with those lighter packages, sub packages and letting the Broncos run a little bit uh, and, and try to force Bridgewater to beat them. So we've already talked about that. Uh, uh, pun intended, let's not be the dead horse here. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite tweets of the night last uh, yesterday. I think it was Guy's Snacks, uh, the chip the chip making company, that said uh, 13 in a row against Denver. It kind of feels like being a dead horse at this point. I thought that, <laughs> I thought that was really – that was just perfect. Uh, all right. I didn't I didn't see that. That's hilarious. That's a that's that's awesome. All right. OMG or NBD, the the fact that there's no third wide receiver target or no third receiving target after those two guys that are struggling. As I said earlier, you know, <clears throat> the third receiving target is Daryl Williams. So if if you're going by that, then it is OMG. Uh no, I I I think we both talked about this in the offseason, Stags, is that you know this a collection of guys that play their role well and, and each know what they're supposed to do can be good enough to to fill the need for a legitimate wide receiver too. But th- this group isn't doing it right now. And that's why what makes it an OMG because you look at the Chiefs Super Bowl runs, their playoff runs, you know, they've really counted on Sammy Watkins to be a big part of, of the yardage game, you know, the the amount of total offense they get. You know, back-to-back AFC championships, he had over 100 yards. You know, the Super Bowl run, the entire the entire Super Bowl championship run, he was a, a, had a huge impact. So um, not having a guy like that that can take advantage of these defenses that are really hammering home, get, taking away Kelsey and Hill. Right now, it looks like that's what could be the Achilles heel, you know, when we're fast-forwarding to January and we're seeing, you know, an upset of this team and we're, we're thinking about what went wrong. You know, it could come back to the fact that no one besides Kelsey and Hill could make a play in the in the pass game and and I hate to say it but that's just it, it's kind of one of those things you could you can maybe see being the narrative after a, a Chiefs loss this in the postseason. Yeah, I think the the drops to me are, are we're in OMG territory when it comes to drops because that's something that could derail a drive. We saw it with Byron Pringle having two on the one drive that end, basically ended that drive. Uh, he came back and made some, made some plays later and redeemed himself, but. Uh, drops from Kelsey and Hill. I saw the statistic that it's cost them more. Uh, and it, what is the expected play uh, production? You're, you're more the stat guy, but there was there was a stat that showed that the Chiefs have lost more production by drops from Kelsey and Hill than any other team uh, has lost from any other players. And and that's something that um, you know is a concern. So I would say. I've always said I don't care about the Chiefs having a number two wide receiver that's this one person. Um, I care about them having production from from across the receiving targets and and role players that can step up when needed. 
uh, when they're not getting any production from any receiving targets this week, that's a concern. When they're having drops, that's a concern. And when there's no consistency from those role players, I think that is a concern. So we've seen, like you said, a couple of games where those backup receivers all had great games. And then we've seen a whole bunch of games where they did a whole bunch of nothing. And so that that's to me where it becomes a concern is when they're actively hurting the offense with drops uh, and then not having that consistency in production across the board. It could, you're right. It could back, come back and bite them later on. Yeah. And, and I guess that's a good point is, is that it's really just, you need to avoid the negative plays. You don't maybe need to have the hundred yard performances as Hammy Watkins has had, especially if the offensive coaching staff ever, realizes that it can trust its running game to kind of dominate a game and actually create explosive plays if they're designed to do so, um, you know, that can kind of make up for maybe not having a wide receiver uh, to legitimately, you know, uh, a Sammy Watkins type. But, yeah, you're right. Right now they're just making too many negative plays. That's just really what it comes down to. All right. And the last OMG or NBD is something I saw get a little bit of run on Twitter last night and this morning. Uh, there was a the cameras, the, the TV broadcast cameras caught – an interaction between Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy on the sideline that made it appear that the two of them were fighting, that they were going after each other, that they were uh, in each other's faces or yelling or, or you know, uh, unhappy or frustrated. It seems like that came right after that uh, phantom uh, uh, false start call on Mahomes uh, from the shotgun formation. But there, it may have been some frustration about play calling or execution um, and that sort of bubbled over a little bit on the sidelines. OMG or NBD about those two guys uh, kind of going at it a little bit. NBD, man, no big deal. Um, it's It's been frustrating, you know, especially, you know, you assume these guys are confident enough in themselves that they expect to come out of a, a bye week and, you know, put up, you know, 30 points. I mean, that's what that, this offense expects to put up the amount of, of points that some offenses just, you know, their best days are so when it when it's kind of just this lackluster performance yeah it's gonna be frustrating but if you see the video you know i don't know it doesn't really seem like they get in each other's faces it just kind of seems like they're maybe just you know frustratingly uh vocalizing what is happening more than just like actually being frustrated with each other uh so no no big deal it's like when you talk to your partner at home and, and one of you is is uh Feels yeah, like a fight, and the other one's like, "This isn't a fight. We're we're just talking." Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things where Bienemy is a fiery guy. Mahomes is is you know the most competitive guy in the field, and and uh, you can see things boiling over here and there. And they're they're probably good behind the scenes. I don't expect it to be a big deal, but I just thought since we saw it on Twitter, we might just bring it up in case any of you saw that and we're wondering if that was a big deal or not. Uh, yeah, I think it's unanimous here on our side that until proven otherwise, that's that's not a big deal. Tell you what, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, pay a couple bills. We'll come back with your questions and maybe a little talk about some of the snap count takeaways that we had from this game coming off of a, a victory against the Broncos in prime time. So stay with us here. Uh, we'll be back right after the break on the Out of Structure podcast. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the AP Auto Structure podcast after a fifth straight victory Monday. Uh, good to be here uh, with Stags and, and appreciate you guys listening. We'll get to your questions here in a second. But first, let's let's look at the snap counts from the Chiefs win over Denver. Um, you know, one thing I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because we alluded to it a little earlier. But, you know, one thing we all kind of called for, you know, as the season has gone on is Hitchens maybe being benched for Bolton, uh, you know, at that Mike linebacker position. And last night we saw Bolton actually have the second fewest snaps in the entire defensive unit out of all players that played. And uh, Hitchens actually had his snap count go up. Uh, and, and this is the, a good opportunity to talk about maybe Hitchens looking pretty good. He, he was flying around the field. He missed a few tackles, obviously. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, that's not nothing new, I guess, but, he was getting there quicker. He was getting to the flat quicker. It seemed like he was he was flying through the line on, at times to make run pl- plays against the run. Um, you know, so Hitchens might be playing himself back into a place where they they trust him to play over Bolton. Um, should we be? Is this a OMG or MBD? Maybe let's uh, bring the game back, Stag. So, what are you thinking about the linebacker position? Yeah, it, it feels it feels to me like it's just a game plan specific uh, thing, and, and it's just a. They were probably based on the snap counts, and, and again, not, not having time to really review it closely. But I, my assumption is that they were in sub packages a little bit more and out of the base defense um, uh, a little bit more. Where Bolton is a is a mainstay in that base defense, he's not yet uh, the full time sub package guy. And so, looking at the the rest of the snap counts, I think it to me it it trends in that direction that you've got. Um, some of the lighter personnel in um, for more of the game against Denver. So I, I don't see it as a big deal. I feel like it was, it was matchup specific here. Yeah. And that's how they've been kind of doing. They've been mixing and matching their, their linebackers, depending on the situation, because they will still play Bolton in the nickel sub package at times. But I think this game, they, they just trusted the veteran to get it done. And like I said, he was fine around the field. It was good to see um, another, uh, you know, defensive takeaway that we kind of already talked about, but, how about DeAndre Baker? So they start the game with Mike Hughes as that third cornerback with Snead and, and uh, Ward and the, the nickel formations with, with three cornerbacks. First two drives, Hughes is out there, uh, maybe into the third drive as well. But next thing you know, you see Baker get in the game, and he didn't come off the field after that. He played the rest of the game, uh, ended up playing I, I, you know w- one of the highest snap counts of the entire team. And, and Hughes actually had the lowest snap count of the defensive unit. So uh, it looked like... In my opinion, maybe there was some, uh, you know, maybe initial rotational intention in terms of, hey, let's play uh, Hughes a little bit, then Baker, and kind of switch him back and forth. I think maybe that was the case, and then Baker started playing well, maybe, and they said, you know what, let's just keep him in. And I think he did play well. I think he made a few plays on uh, when covering Cortland Sutton specifically on deep route and a slant route, um, both couple of good plays where 
yeah, I think Baker kind of maybe earned his way to to being that cornerback four when Fenton returns as well. That that may be one of the bigger surprises for me from a personnel standpoint this season is I I thought they had a big role in mind for DeAndre Baker, even potentially as a starter, depending on who's healthy and who else is in the lineup. The fact that he's been a game day inactive for a lot of a lot of weeks and he's only really there this week because of Fenton's injury, you know, is a little bit surprising. Because I think he can play a little bit, and and he showed he showed well against Denver. He's a physical player, and and he did a nice job using the boundary to his advantage in in keeping uh, the Broncos from having some big plays on the passing offense. And so, um, you know, w- whatever that rotation is, I, I think it worked this week, and I'll be curious to see if that changes things going forward. Yeah, and then lastly, on these snap count takeaways, we'll we'll go to the offensive side. But how? How crazy is this? We've gotten to the point where Hardman, McCole Hardman, is is playing nine snaps total on the offensive side. Uh, you didn't even see him to begin the game on offense. Uh, he was not on the first drive, maybe not the first couple drives. Finally got a touch, uh, you know, a design touch for him, as we usually see um, in the second half. But, you know, McCole has really dropped off, and, and we saw him lose his punt return job too. We haven't been able to talk about it on the pod yet, but Dave Tobe come out last week and said, hey, Mike Hughes is this team's punt returner and McCall Hardman is not. Um, and, 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 you know, didn't say it as direct as I just did, but uh, yeah. So McCall is kind of slowly, slowly losing a grip of a, of a role at all on this team right now. And that resulted also in Demarcus Robinson getting a few more snaps. He was kind of trending down at one point, but uh, he bounced back with about 50% of the snaps this game. But I think we want, we want to focus on Hardman here, maybe a little bit stags. What, what do we, how do we feel about, you know, I think, I'll, I'll just say it real quick. I think for the for future long-term kind of stuff, there's no reason to cut him this offseason. He's on his rookie deal. You keep him through the the, the deal, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you may differ on that, but um, no matter how he plays. But uh, it's gotten to the point where he barely even has a role on this team. Um, what, what do we do? Where do we go from here? I mean, this guy, you know, is all of a sudden, you know, non-existent on this team. You know, it's it's all speculation at this point. We don't have any clue what's going on inside that room. But it could be matchup related. It could be that they're trying to get Josh Gordon involved at some point. Um, to me, if you think about the, the roles on this team, Hardman, they know what they have now in, in McCall Hardman. He's not a wide receiver, too. He's not an X receiver. Uh, or you know, He's really that gadget player, somebody that when they get the ball to him, he can make a play. Um, but – He's maybe not going to get open or be in the right spot where they where they want him to be. And so maybe, and again, pure speculation here on my part, but just a theory. What if they know what they have in Hardman and they'll continue to use him, they'll use him down the stretch. But for, for right now, what they want to do is get uh, to figure out what they have in Josh Gordon um, and see if he can evolve into that wide receiver too He's getting plenty of snaps. I mean, not a ton this week, but uh, you know, he's he's out snapping Hardman and others. I'm wondering if maybe the two of them on the field at the same time uh, doesn't work well for this team because Hardman's been known to be in the wrong place at the right, at the wrong time. Uh, Gordon, since he's been around, I feel like that's been an issue for him as well. Uh, and so I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a they're trying to find the right combination of receivers to be on the field at the same time. And when they have both Gordon and Hardman on the field, uh, maybe it's just uh, too much chaos or, or uh, not enough, you know, 
uh, crispness in the in the route running. You know, I think you're being a little too nice to Hardman, honestly. I think it's just, I think, <laughs> I think simply it really is that just he, he is not trusted to be used as a regular receiver. And I think there is some truth. I, I, I don't want to completely go against your point because I, I, I do agree. I think they are trying to find a way to get Gordon going by having him just on the field more, having him just run routes. So even if he's not the primary read, if for whatever reason Mahomes has to scramble out and find another read. You know, he's he's there to make a play and potentially get going. But it just doesn't seem like they even trust Hart. You know, why isn't Hardman running the snaps that Robinson is? I mean, Robinson doesn't give you any upside as a receiver. Um, you know, maybe Hardman's a little bit or Robinson's a little bit better of a blocker, but not enough to be playing that much more over Hardman. So all that to say is, is I think I think we're seeing kind of the 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 uh fall maybe of hardman's uh you know projection we all what we thought he was i think this we're finally starting to see it come to fruition in terms of not even having a a true role in this team besides a very situational gadget player yeah we'll see i mean this was a game where we've already talked about how they didn't have a lot of creativity there wasn't a lot of trick plays there wasn't a lot of uh, misdirection or gadget type work to be had and so again maybe maybe it was a little game plan specific um, and then we'll see him pop back up later in the season uh, when they feel like they need to empty the bag a little bit more offensively from a play calling perspective. They can have Hardman and Hill on the field at the same time and and do some do some different stuff with the speed there. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not ready to call it yet. It's certainly a disturbing trend so far. Uh, but we've seen we've seen the Chiefs do different stuff with personnel where they don't agree with us uh, on on a number of occasions. So. I'm going to give it uh, a couple more games before I declare the end of Nicole Hardman. Hey, real quick though, I, I I I know what you're saying, but I almost think that speaks to my point even more the fact that it was a vanilla game and and it was a game where you're not doing a lot of the gadget stuff because that's the only thing Mahomes is, or McColl is is doing at this point. So that's why you didn't see him at all is because they weren't doing the gadget stuff. You if if you're a player in Hardman's position, you know, kind of wanting to prove yourself, you think that'd be a good opportunity for him to just you know, get open on regular pass routes, get open on, on traditional pass routes when the Denver defense is, is covering Hill and Kelsey so much. You think that'd be a good opportunity for him to kind of, you know, uh, show off, show that he can do more than just outside the the the, the created, you know, play design kind of things. And, and they didn't give him the opportunity to, and I think that speaks to the fact that he's not maybe able to and the coaching staff knows that at this point or, or just doesn't trust him to even, uh, you know, have the chance to do it, which is just not a good sign for him right now we'll see man maybe they're saving him for the playoffs i don't know maybe we'll, we'll see playoff mccall now instead of playoff sammy all right let's get to some of your questions on twitter uh christian gumminger uh at k gumminger on twitter did the chiefs go vanilla on offense once they realized they didn't need to show anything uh just to beat these broncos yeah and he and he mentions that he didn't see anything new or innovative coming out of the bye which we all yeah we, we talked about a little bit it, that, that is kind of surprising to an extent, but, you know, that is maybe Andy just kind of flexing his muscles and and, and, and trusting his team that – and he does this, man, and, and this is not a new thing. I mean, we, this has been his entire career. Andy sometimes just – if he doesn't need to show anything, he won't. He'll trust his offense to to, to do enough, and he trusts his defense if they're playing well to, to do enough to win, and that's what we saw. So, yeah, it, it was vanilla. You, your your eyes don't deceive you, Christian. Shout out my guy, Christian. Uh, you know, one of our our great writers at AP. Um, but I think it is. I think it is very possible that Andy, you know, said there's no reason we even need to 
you know, go all out for this 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 uh, play design, I guess, here. They'll, they'll just win, you know, mono a mono kind of thing. Yeah, and some of that could also just be this team saying, we need to execute better with the basics of our offense. Uh, and so if we can get away with it, let's, let's just run the basics over and over again, uh, knowing that we can, we can go deeper into the bag when we need to. So I, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like that's in some ways discounting the Broncos saying that they're treating it like a, almost like a training camp game. But, uh, but I think in some ways the, the, the coaching staff does, you know, save those uh, plays for when they feel like they need them and, and you see more trick plays, more fun stuff in bigger games, and and there's a reason for that. I think it's I think he's got a um, he's got to balance the the need to execute the basics and the need to to mix things up. And and if you don't need to mix it up, then uh, keep hammering them with the basics. As long as you can do that and win, it's not a problem. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, you know the we got another question here from our guy Steve Williams. He's been asking good questions. So. He, he kind of goes, you know, a little, little off on a rant a little bit. The offense in its current state will not win a playoff game. If this offense gets rolling along with these types of defense performances, we have a championship team, which, yeah, I think we all agree with. What do you think this is the key to unlocking this team's championship potential, Stags? Um, he thinks, personally, he, he better luck couldn't hurt, which I think, obviously, I think every football team could use mm-hmm. some, some good luck at this point of the season. But um, we, we've seen the turnovers. We've seen all that pray that Andy doesn't get too conservative. He mentions that too, as we've talked about, do you have a specific key that you think could unlock this team's uh, championship potential? Yeah. I mean, we had a few questions sort of around this idea of how far can the chiefs go if the defense is carrying them? Uh, Braden bow asked, uh, do you believe that even if they get in the playoffs and the offense is at this level, can they even compete with the bucks, the Packers, the Rams, if they're not putting up 30 a game, you know, I, I think you're right to, I think both of these guys are right to be worried about that. I think it's nice to see the defense play well and be able to carry this team, but sooner or later, you're going to have to score points to win. And, you know, the, this, you know, it might be luck. It might be execution. It might be play calling to some extent. Uh, and, and unfortunately some of it might be personnel. So there's a lot of different things that have not quite been right about this offense. To me, the the key to get to Steve's question, the key to unlocking the championship potential is always going to be Patrick Mahomes. If the defense plays like this and Mahomes plays like Mahomes, um, they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's as simple as that. The receivers need to be better, you know, whatever. But uh, if Mahomes plays like he's capable of playing, and the defense is holding teams to 17 or less every single week, then I have no doubt that this team is is a championship football team. Yeah, I, I think we all – I mean, I think Mahomes didn't play bad yesterday, but we still didn't see what Mahomes can do, how good he can play. And as we talked about the receivers not doing much, you know, and, and some of the, the drops and stuff, Mahomes still could have played better and it still could have – that still could have helped them put up more points, so – I think I think that's very fair. I, I, I agree with you to an extent. I think the key, though, is, is is finding another guy that can really make plays in certain situations. I think Pringle's been situationally, you know, decent this year. It just he has had some drops that really, you know, uh, rub you the wrong way. Um, I think if they continue to get Clyde kind of going in the pass game and and kind of timing up those and designing those those well, you know, Andy kind of getting in his in his bag with with Clyde in the pass game specifically that could maybe be a key to kind of opening up this offense a little more. Yeah. Balance, I think would be another key. I agree. I mean, just yeah, being right. to, to be less predictable, you know, the, 
we keep talking going back to this vanilla play calling that they had this week. I think all season there's been uh, this kind of feeling of, you know, let, let's where's the creativity? Where is the uh, where are they mixing it up? Where it, sometimes when they run the ball, you know they're going to run the ball. Sometimes when they're they drop back to pass, you know they're looking for Hill and Kelsey. So being able to mix things up a little bit, executing both in the pass and the run game and being able to keep teams off balance, you know, it is a, a big key, a big key. And I, and, and I think we've proven that Mahomes can't do it himself. So I'm arguing with my own point here a little bit, but uh, if Mahomes is playing right uh, and the team is balanced on offense and, and they're playing defense like they are, then they're, they're unbeatable. So, you know, you, you need two of three, two out of three of those elements to, to win consistently. If you get all three, um, then there's going to be a parade. Yeah, and and so speaking of kind of trying to to get down the stretch and, and become a championship team, there's other teams that are uh, threatening the Chiefs in that in this AFC, you know, to take the crown from them. Got a big one if you guys are listening on Monday, you know, afternoon, evening after work. You got a big one tonight between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots in Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Now. Uh, our guy Nate Kansas asks us, who do we want to win tonight? And I think this is an interesting question because the, you kind of have to do a little research to think about, wait, who, which team do we really actually want to to lose and kind of drop in the standings? Because these two teams still have to play each other twice. There's another matchup coming in a couple weeks. I actually uh, think that the way to look at this is that it, it, there's not really a, a real team to root for in this first matchup, but who you want them to split. So whoever wins this first matchup, you'd maybe like them to lose that second matchup. So they each have five losses and, and you have four losses right now. You know, each team's going to have that tiebreaker over you in the AFC, depending on, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously you lost to the bills head to head, but the Patriots have a better AFC record. So yeah, I'd say root for a good game tonight, you know, watch an enjoyable football game. And then next time they come around root for the loser of the original game. Way to hedge your bets there, Ron. Um, no, you're right. The Patriots are six and one in the AFC. The chiefs are three and four. Uh, so yeah. that's going to be difficult to overcome from a tiebreaker perspective. They are the team that I'm the most worried about at this point, the team that I least want to see the Chiefs face in the playoffs, not because I think they have a quarterback that can uh, that, that's going to dominate them, but I think just going against a Bill Belichick team that's playing well uh, in the playoffs is, is not a, a position you want to be in if you can avoid it. But I also really want the Chiefs to figure out a way to get that one seed and have that bye. So even if it means – uh, you know, the that they face the Patriots uh, at some point. You know, I think at least for this game, I'm going to root for the Bills because if they have to face one of, one of these two teams later on, the Bills are the more flawed team. They're the team that's the less consistent at this point. Uh, and so, you know, if, if they have to face somebody in the AFC Championship game between these two, I'll take Buffalo. So whoever – whatever gives New England the harder path to get to that championship – game uh, I think the better so for now I, you're right you hope they split but for this game for this week I, I am a, a part of Bill's Mafia <laughs> Bill's Mafia is is is, is, a, is a sister team I feel like to the Chiefs so, <laughs> so shout out Bill's Mafia um, but yeah I, I think the other thing to think about it too is which team would you rather be able to leapfrog in the standings and, and get have them come and you could have you could leapfrog both obviously and have have both of them come to Arrowhead, but 
I think I'd rather see a rookie quarterback in Arrowhead. Josh Allen is, has won a game in Arrowhead in a, in a full capacity stadium at this point. I don't think he played necessarily well that game. I think it, the Chiefs really handed the Bills that game and just laid over or, or rolled over. But I would I would still rather see Mac Jones um, in Arrowhead, uh, you know, rather than Josh Allen. Even though I think Mac Jones actually might be playing better, more sound fo- fundamental football right now than Josh Allen, uh, I, I still would rather see a rookie quarterback try to come into Arrowhood and win rather than an experienced one. That's fair. I mean, again, I keep going back to this idea of the Chiefs getting the one seed and um, right. which of these two teams is more likely to have losses between now and the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's probably Buffalo. I think New England is more of a threat to win out. So, again, that that tips the scales a little bit in my mind towards uh, the Bills on Monday night. And then let's see how the rest of the season plays out because I think the Bills – could easily drop at least one more game. Uh, if if they do split, like you said, that's five losses apiece. The Chiefs are in good shape uh, for that one seed as long as they take care of business. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. I think this has been uh, this has been a good run for the Chiefs. It's exciting to see what's possible and what's ahead of them. They've got two of the three phases hitting on all cylinders, and so uh, and once the inevitable happens and, and Patrick Mahomes and the offense come around. Uh, It's going to be fun to watch this team down the stretch. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm looking forward to the holidays. Uh, Thanks for listening, spending some time with us here on the Out of Structure Podcast and all of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Networks. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you do that. And join us next week for hopefully another Victory Monday conversation. So thanks, Ron. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a good week.